Pump, pump the jam, pump it up. Why you pump? That was that was a lick and suck. It's the rap when I rapped. That was really funny. You know, do something every day that scares you or scares the person you're with. Someone from Owings, Maryland is calling me right now. That's a fucking robot Do you think call. It's Why are you excited about that? Do you that? think it's Broadway? <laughs> Hello, Broadway. Hi, Broadway. It's me, Carrie. Yes, I'm out of work. I would love some work. Yes, work. <laughs> I'll work do the show. Me. I'll do the show right now. I'll do, I'll do the show quickly. Post haste. Oh, speaking of shows, I know that on the last episode I was already recommending a show. But let me also tell you another show story really quickly, which okay. is that this past week, there's a show going on. It's not a show. I don't know how to characterize it. There's a thing called Telelibrary. And you can get on a waiting list where he'll let you know when there's slots. And he gives you a slot and there's very little information online about what it is other than the fact that what you're waiting in line to do is be on an hour-long phone call alone. And you're like, what's this phone call going to be? But you know it's going to be some sort of, I don't know, experience. So I signed up and I f- every time I got an email that was like, there are some slots available, it's a one person audience for an hour. So when a slot becomes available, it's fucking gone fast. So I kept missing the opportunity. And then finally I got a slot and it came time for me to call this number. And I was sort Your of like... Your phone died? No, my phone died. The end. <laughs> No, but I had that vibe of like anytime something like that actually comes up, you're like, oh, I'm so busy and the kids and da da da. And I was like, no, just ask Matt for this time. And I went in here and I called the number and it's a robot on the other end and it's um, an automated phone tree. And so it starts and it's like you can decide what you want to name the robot and you can tell the robot what to call you at the beginning of the call. And a few minutes into the call, you realize it's not a robot at all. It's a live actor talking (gasps) to you, pretending to be a robot. And you realize it because their responses start to be so specific. And then the phone tree gets completely out of hand where imagine the phone tree can go anywhere and has no limits. And that the actor on the other end is improvising, but also has like sound effects that make it really sound like it's a robot. Wow. And... I just want to give a couple examples so that you can understand some of what I experienced in this hour. One example would be you have a number of credits that you're given and it'll say, do you want to hear a story? It will be one credit. Do you want to um, talk about the essence of time? It'll be two credits. And when you run out of credits, it'll say you're out of credits. Do you want to try to get more credits kind of thing? And I was like, yeah, I want to try to get more credits. And it was like, do you want to tell me a joke? Do you want to tell me what you see out your window for one credit, you know? And so you have these options. And at one point I chose to tell the robot what was outside my window for a credit. And 
Um, you know the calls being recorded. They tell you at the beginning. And they say if you don't want it recorded, you can opt out. Um, I didn't care, obviously. Later on in the call, I somehow stumble upon this option in the phone tree. Everything's an option. Do you want to go outside? And I said, yeah, I want to go outside. And suddenly a recording came on of all these different voices saying what they saw out their window. And it's clipped together in this beautiful way. And it was people being like, I see two guys across the street. They're wearing masks. And it's like really paints this picture of all these different people that have done this and what they were looking at. Similarly, at one point, I found myself in an area of the phone tree that was talking about time. And they said, do you want the time or do you want the past or do you want the future? And I said, the future. And another clipped together response came of people talking about what they're looking forward to. And it makes you cry. It's so beautifully I done. And I, I mean, chills. that's so. Moving. Oh my god! And you're lying. I'm lying on this bed in here, listening to this call, and I'm like in tears. And it got so deep. And it also has very funny moments where it said, "Do you want to tell me a joke?" And I told the robot a joke. And my joke was, "Did you hear about the fire at the circus? It was intense." And the robot will pause and be like ask a question and that means it wants to ask you a question you say yes and it says what is a circus and i explained what a circus was and the robot said a circus said back to me a circus is a traveling group of performers sometimes their performance involves animals they go from town to town setting things on fire is this correct (laughs) i go uh, I guess, yeah. And then the robot will say, I am learning a lot today. And I'll say, well, that's, you know, that's sort of what a circus is. And the robot will say back to me, I am sort of learning a lot today. <laughs> and it's like just so funny because you're, in addition to getting information, you're also giving it to the robot along the way. The way, And the robot is like trying to learn things from you that help it build information. And it's just this this How did you find improvised this? give and take that was beyond delightful and shaped my whole day and really made me like very like light and happy and walking on air. And I'll say this about it as well. It's pay what you can and you don't pay after till after the experience. And then there's like a PayPal that you can give to and there's a portion of the PayPal that's being donated to charity. And it just it was like above and beyond one of the coolest pandemic theater experiences I've had and I just recommend it oh how did you find this one of our patreon subscribers Greg actually recommended it to me we take all patreon recommendations thousand to heart oh my god that's beautiful so thank you for recommending that Greg because it was just so wonderful Oh, that's really fucking And if I moving. didn't think it was selfish, I would do it again because you can just tell that there's no sky's the limit. There is no prescribed experience when doing it. And I'd imagine it goes completely differently for everyone. And it's also just what you want to make of it. Wow. Yeah. So do it. I will. Okay. <sighs> Did I have any other questions for you? No. Oh, I was going to talk to you about sense of smell. 
Oh, I just hung out. I just not hung out. I talked to someone last yesterday who knows someone who was born without a sense of smell. I wonder to not know what you're missing that way. I also, for me, I would be like, I, I'm like, do I smell like I'm getting wafts? And I'm like, is that, I don't know if that's me or not. It's me. It's definitely me. I but I smell you over obvious. here. Yeah. I mean, you're far away. Not really, but far enough. I Well, so it's not that bad as all this, I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is this person, I did meet them and they were really stinky and they didn't have a sense of smell because they, and so they don't know. They don't oh, know if wow. they're smelly. And no one's ever told them? I think like they have to have like a talking to, but like how uncomfortable is that? Where you're Although like, maybe they're not insult offended. to injury. Yeah, but, but maybe also not... they don't even know what a bad smell is like. So they're yeah. like, Tell, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're communicating that to me. That feels like a you. So a lot of people have been losing their sense of smell because oh, it's COVID like, times. That's my fear of the COVID. So listen to this story. There was this family that they all got COVID and all of them lost their sense of smell. And it hasn't come back yet, except one of the kids did not lose their sense of smell. Uh-huh. That kid woke up the other night and smelled fire. And what? And no one else was awake, and no one else had smelled it, and got their family out of their house safely. No, and woke their family and got them all out. And if not for her having kept her sense of smell, the entire family was sleeping through a fire. Can you believe what we don't think of when we think of loss of smell? Because when you say, oh, that people lost shocking. their sense of smell, you mostly are like relate it to like them not enjoying their fucking Food. burger That's, as much. I mean, honestly, that right? was me. I was like, but I you don't think it's a safety fucking issue. Holy shit. Isn't that wild? Whoa. Thank God. Thank, thank whatever. That's shocking. I, I was going down on an Instagram or whatever, a wormhole. And there's this woman that I found yesterday that has a camera set up. It films her sleepwalking. <gasps> and in this particular video, her husband was sleeping on the couch mm-hmm. and watching her. And she farts. <laughs> <laughs> and then stands up and goes, gold star. <laughs> husband is like awake laughing so she's a stand-up comedian in her sleep she's doing this weird stuff it's really you've heard of mike berbiglia's sleepwalking problem and that he doesn't he like lock himself in something when his child was born he was staying at a la quinta inn and had a dream a missile was coming and threw his body out the (gasps) second story window and started running across the lawn and woke up while he was running and thought, as he woke up, his first thought was, I'm so glad a missile's not coming. And then was like, I'm also covered in blood. And I might have broken something. Because he fucking threw his body out a second floor window of a hotel in his sleep. So he has a real sleepwalking problem. Does he put a straitjacket on himself when he's out? He should. That's so scary. Do you have a story for us I today? I do. I have a story that I read last weekend. I get the New York Times um, daily briefing emails. No brags. No brags, brags. They have the news recap, and then they have, like, some feature stories. Are you telling us how the New York Times works right now? <laughs> the daily briefing. I'm telling you how I discovered this story. Okay. I was in a, a book club with a group of my vigs, and <laughs> one of them said to me, 
Jim is his name. And he said, we were all talking about where we got our book or something. And he's like, Quinn, you know, I went to the library. I just got it. And it's crazy. I mean, you can just, you just go in, get whatever book you want and it's free. And then you just have to bring it back when you're done. And I go, Jim, are you explaining how libraries work to me? (laughs) He started laughing so hard because he was like, yeah, I guess I am. But yes, that is exactly what I'm doing. But more importantly, I found this story and I I don't have any other source material except for this New York Times article by this brilliant reporter, Kashmir Hill. Great name. Great, great name. Um, She's a tech reporter based in New York. She writes about the unexpected and sometimes ominous ways technology is changing our lives particularly when it comes to privacy. Um, So there's this guy. His name is Guy Babcock. There's a guy named Guy. Can you believe? He's 59 years old. He's from England. He lives near Oxford. He's a normal guy. He's a software engineer. Two years ago, September 2018, it's a call from his dad who has heard through the grapevine from a club that he's involved with that there's some weird stories about Guy and his brother online. And he's like, what's going on? I have no idea. So he goes in, he Googles his name. And the first thing that pops up are these pictures of Guy that have the word pedophile on them. (gasps) Where he works, his address, his contact information, his employer information. It accuses him not only of being a pedophile, but a fraud, a thief, an imposter, all this information about him. So... He obviously is like, what the fuck is going on? All the photos of him are from LinkedIn and Facebook. So they're all his photo and they're like on Pinterest. They're literally on all of these sites. He then Googles his brother's name and he sees the exact same thing. Pictures of his brother where he works his contact information. Then he fucking Googles his whole family and he notices the same thing is happening to his wife, his sister, his brother-in-law his nephew, his cousin, and aunt. So it, his family, his on, whole on the family whole is the target. Is just being slandered viciously. Wow. And he's like, who, who the fuck so is it doing could this? be anyone that made the enemy, not anyone. necessarily him. Exactly. So the men, the men were pedophiles. The women were thieves, cheaters, thieves, all this stuff. Women can be pedophiles. Totally. But that, I guess this, this part, this person was targeting men and women differently. Sexism. Am I right? Um, his eight-year-old son, luckily, was not involved in this. He was obviously horrified at this because, like, he, his family had a ice cream shop in their, in their town. And so somebody was Googling their ice cream shop. And then these all come up. And it's like, what would you find if you Google anyone, like, if you're doing job interviews? And he was like, I'm not worried necessarily about me so much as I'm worried about my 19-year-old nephew or my 27-year-old cousin who are, like, starting their Trying to find their lives. place in life. Yes. Oy. Trying to find jobs, get interviews, go on fucking dates. I mean, we've talked about this. I don't Google people. But imagine you're going out with someone and you Google their name and you find out that there's, like, pedophile written. Like, you would just be like, I'm not going to fucking risk it. I'd I'm out. swipe left. Yeah. Immediately. Um, so he obviously is like trying to go to these sites and start removing them. Now, among the sites that these posts and accusations are on, it's places like Ripoff Report, She's a Homewrecker, Cheaterbot, Deadbeats. These are complaint websites where people can post anonymous posts without any proof or evidence or anything like that. They can just post whatever the fuck they want. 
And a lot of times these sites talk to each other. So there's always a steady stream of complaints. So like they'll repost on each other's. He So he hears about these rumors, Guy, and he starts freaking out, right? Because, like, his friends are hearing about it. They're on these websites. And he knows that there are vigilantes who go out and will, like, find pedophiles and attack them. So he installs a home security system so no one will attack him and his family. Mm-hmm. He's fucking scared. And I, I mean, he's, I mean, it's all just a nuisance and it's scary. It's totally invasion on every level. The crazy thing about these sites is that when you try to, like, contest it and get it removed, the sites are like, we're just a forum. We don't, we just allow people to post things, but we don't arbitrate, like, arbitrate. And no one has ever sued these websites? So there is some suing of them or there is some, like, asking for them to take it down. But the crazy thing is, is it costs up to $2,000 to remove a post. Like on Rip Off Report. Rip Off Report. You have to like. That seems very it's fucked It's basically up. extortion and blackmail. That's exactly what it is. And they're just like, well, we can claim plausible deniability because we didn't create these. We're just a forum where these can exist. Then you shouldn't be allowed to pay to have anything taken down because that's garbage. But then they're like, but then the again, website, it's in their best interest for people to post. So they could be generating or, their own posts. Just. It's so iffy because it's like there's a freedom of speech thing. It's like not dissimilar. It's super timely right now to have this up because it's about like Twitter and Facebook. How much are they responsible for the content on these sites? And are they denying people freedom of speech or freedom of expression? Like these are really interesting conversations. And the fact is, is like you have to prove that something is false. We're like they have arbitration services. But again, it costs up to $2,000. Now, It's basically like horrible Yelp, right? It's just like horrible reviews of all these complaint sites. And if anyone wrongs you, you could go on and just say slanderous, unsubstantiated claims to no repercussions. This is the line that Ripoff Report says. It said, if someone posts false information about you on the Ripoff Report, the CDA prohibits you from holding us liable for the statements which which others have written. You can always sue the author if you want, but you can't sue Ripoff Report just because we provide a forum for free speech. So you can't even sue these complaint sites, even though they harbor horrible, heinous things. So the family members who are attacked are in both England and Canada. Both parties go to their government and are like, or go to the police and file a police report. And the only place they get traction is in England. And again, it's really hard because this misinformation is like spreading like wildfire. They're Mm -hmm. just like, anytime you delete a post or anything, like more will pop up. It's really hard to really stop it at its source without knowing what the source is. So the only place they get traction is in England. And the reason is in, there's a 1988 law in England that forbids any communication that causes distress. So this would fall under that purview of like, this is causing people distress. So the police were like, can you just um, get as much evidence of this abuse as possible? So guys in England, his brother-in-law's in Montreal, and they start collecting evidence and they end up having over 100 pages of evidence of these posts for them and their family. In October 2018, a couple months after finding this out or a month after he finds this out, he's gathering all this information. He's going further down these complaint reports and he goes to this post that says that he's this janitor who's masquerading as a software engineer. So claiming that he doesn't have any training and that he's a fraud. And he looks at the picture and it's this old picture of someone who looks familiar. It's this like redheaded woman with earrings or whatever. And he looks closer 
And it's this woman, his dad owned a Remax real estate situation. She was one of his employees in 1990. Wow. That long ago. She hated him? That's 30 years ago. That's nearly 30 years ago. Her name is Nadir Attis. Attis? She can hold a grudge, man. My God. She has been operating like this for years. She worked for the family's office in Toronto as a real estate agent. And she was doing really well. She was a star employee. She ended up buying a couple properties in Toronto. So she had like her own little duplex. And then she bought a building that had four apartments in it um, and was doing really well. And then in 1992, her life started deteriorating. She had some family drama problems where her brother accused his mother of being a part of like a devil worshiping cult and he ended up shooting his mother in the hand so like really not okay stuff and then her work started to get worse and so much so that in 1993 she was fired from that real estate office she threatened guy's father she has later since claimed that she's like no i left on my own but that family says she was fired guy remembered in 1999 after his mother died he got a letter from an anonymous person that was like vulgar and really offensive about his mother right after her death. And they suspected it was this woman. And also around this time, their neighbors got letters claiming that their father was masturbating in public in the bushes. Oh my God. So just like slanderous shit, right? And just they had suspected her, but there problems. was nothing sort of to. And again, this was seven years after. Or six years after they fired her. So six years later. Wow. She denies that. So they started looking her up more. Mm -hmm. And out pops kind of like this crazy story. They find this lawyer. Her name is Christina Wallace. And they see that she and her family and friends have been targeted online as well. So the Babcock family contacts Christina and they're like, we noticed there's like some similar things happening with you and your family. And she's like, well, here's what happened. When Addis lost her job, she started defaulting on bills and she couldn't get more work or anything. Mm -hmm. So the house, the duplex, she had to sell her properties and she moved in to one of her apartments in that building that she bought. And it got so bad that like the tenants were complaining about horrible living conditions. She was like assaulting tenants. They had to call the police on her. At one point, someone moved in in 2008 and saw like opened the freezer. And this is a quote that there was a waterfall of maggots out of like the refrigerator freezer. So she basically was like a slumlord essentially and living there and completely broke and couldn't pay her mortgage or anything like that. Her tenants were calling the police on her. The lender of the mortgage ended up having to repossess the property and she was evicted that following year and the lawyer who was representing the lender was christina wallace (gasps) so she set her eyes on christina wallace and started targeting her other lawyers in the firm her family all this stuff the same sort of situation where it was like search engines they would put their contact information their employers lies about them on all these complaint sites also there was 
weird things that she would do where she took one of like the junior attorneys and she would go on sex listings of Craigslist and she would reply to them with their name and information. So these men would be getting calls asking for sex or something like with their wow. name and information. That's so um, like scary, honestly. Totally insane. Um, she... Christina Wallace is a lawyer, and this is happening to her and her fam, her friends, and her family, and her coworkers. And so they're trying to pursue avenues of lawsuits. But again, like the law hasn't caught up with this type of slanderous shit. Like the law doesn't totally, it's not a clear cut case. Like, for example, she clearly has some mental health issues, but because she's not posing physical harm to anyone, no one can really intervene mm-hmm. and stop her from doing this. One of the women that she targeted who did not want to say her name because she was so afraid of retaliation of this woman, after she was looking for a new job, for years, she bills were stacking up. She almost lost her home because no one would give her an interview or a job because they would Google her and they would see all this horrible shit. She finally changed it to her maiden name and she got a job offer immediately. Horrifying, Like, lives are fucking ruined. Mm. So her victims, some people never even met her. They just happen to be related to some of these people. Mm-hmm. Like, truly have never met her, heard of her, know what the fuck is going on, and she's just targeting them willy-nilly. She becomes super litigious in that she files lawsuit after lawsuit. She sues the lawyer. She sues people who are representing her. She sues. She's just constantly suing people so much so that they deem her a vexatious litigant where she can no longer file suits against anyone. Oh, like they basically They're put like, a muzzle order on her. Oh like, God. But again, and they can't get her to stop doing any of this. So definitely dragging people through lawsuits and lawsuits like, is like another really tricky way to harass them now she Addis denies the majority of this she did admit to writing about christina wallace on ripoff report and in 2016 ripoff report ended up removing 14 posts and this is what they said. They said, Ripoff Report believes in the First Amendment, but it also is cognizant of the fact that people can and do abuse online platforms, including ours. As resources allow, we certainly try to address it if it comes to our attention. So there's been some change, but like for the most part, only 14 posts. And obviously there are way more than 14 posts that this woman has been put up. So after those posts were removed, Addis called Ripoff Report and the founder recorded her call and it was her being like frantic, being like, I I had all these posts and you removed them. And of course, they then recorded that and then sent it to the Christina Wallace lawyer team as proof that she was fucking posting these anonymous oh hateful God. comments. In 2016, a judge had told her to stop posting about law- the lawyers. They were like, do not post about the lawyers. So then she started attacking their family members. And then this is when Guy Babcock, his internet presence, like his accusations started growing. She like couldn't attack this lawyer. So she started attacking other people who wronged her. It was mm-hmm. almost like she had an addiction that she needed to fill. When she was muzzled by the courts that she couldn't uh, she couldn't file a suit without a court's permission, that's when the online attacks kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was like, again, her hate needed somewhere to go, and this is where it went. And in October 2018, 
Guy Babcock and his family sued her along with forty three other with with other along with forty three other plaintiffs who sued her for defamation. They are repped by this lawyer named Gary Kaplan. By the way, there are a hundred people who aren't plaintiffs who she's abused online as well. They're just not a part of the lawsuit. So over 143 people she's attacking online. It's like a yeah, it's a full time job. It's a full time fucking I job. Mean, so the she best saw how is, easy it was. So and... the best is Gary Kaplan, the lawyer who she fucking who's suing her, who's like the head of the um, lawsuit or is the lawyer representing the lawsuit. His brother all of a sudden starts getting these attacks online. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes total sense. Um, so this whole time she's like, I'm being framed. I'm innocent. Not me. And and she's Not saying it while she's me. looking at her phone posting, posting something. And then somebody was like, well, what about this stop. that has your name and picture on it? And she's like, uh, weird. And then the next day it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> like not even sleuthing. She's not even a smooth operator. Not even. So the reporter of this article, Kashmir Hill, you did a beautiful job. I'm barely doing it justice because it's such a crazy article. She ended up interviewing this woman. So they interviewed Be her. Be careful, Kashmir. Honestly, I'm afraid to do this story because I feel like I'm getting a fucking target on my back now. We will not hashtag her We're name. We're not hashtagging her fucking We're name. We're going to keep it real general. Totally. The best is she's like interviewing Addis, trying to get information, and this reporting is so good and it's taken years. The most shocking quote I got from Addis was she really refused to share a lot with this reporter. And this is what she said. She goes, I'm just afraid of the notoriety. This New York Times article. She says, anyone who Googles my name, this will come up. And I don't want this to come up. <laughs> oh, my God. She doesn't see the irony in that. Isn't Horrible. That That's, That's probably Atlanta-style irony. I don't but care, but that it's is... It's something. It's something fucked up, right? In the past, she said she had... Hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of it is vile. In the past, she said she suffered from depression, but now she's healthy and fine. Over the last two years, there has been over 12,000 false posts. Gary Kaplan, the guy... One of the who's representing, he hired a PI in June 2018 and had her had her trailed because she refused to stay where she lived or what anything. As she's leaving court, a PI follows her. They take her to the bus. They go. She goes to the University of Toronto and they go in to the library and she sits at the computer for a couple of hours. After they get a subpoena for this, they find all the IP is linked back to University of Toronto. Right. So they're able to sort of like narrow in on what she's doing. She then takes a bus to a homeless shelter where she later denies that she slept in the homeless shelter. She oh, wrote, that's so dark. It's so, so she's dark. living in a homeless shelter and ruining doing people's all lives. this ruining people's lives from a library. Mm-hmm. Wow. In 2019, she wrote to a judge. Because she was muzzled against filing a lawsuit, they felt that that was a breach um, of the ruling against her, of calling her a vexatious, 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 is it vexatious. That'd be my guess. Oh, sure. You could put it. Oh, in it the... is vexatious. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just vexatious. Just put that in every other place. <laughs> Since she's a vexatious litigant, it was against it. So she was sentenced to seventy-four days in jail. While she was in jail for seventy-four days, the abuse. Like, there was at a trickle. And it was only because it was it was not stopped posting because, again, a lot of these sites like will 
share that, and like and do the backlog i'm sure they're like oh yeah. we got this post we haven't thrown it up yet or like or not even that they just like will share so they constantly have mm. a stream it's okay. all up to date it's all new and when she was released in march the attacks went right back up mm. so there's not like any question it's no mystery it's no fucking mystery this is not an unsolved mystery totally in november 2020 so a couple months ago cashmere the reporter cashmere hill she tells her about this article that's coming out February or January 31st, 2021. Cashmere. Obviously, she gets pissed. The next week, Cashmere had posts written about her and her husband on Cheaterbot, Bad Girl Reports, um, and other sites claiming her husband was an addict and that she was a, she plagiarized and that she was sleeping with her boss. Um Within a week, there was a hundred posts about this reporter. Obviously, Addis denies it. Then her editor calls Addis, and all of a sudden, the editor gets posts about this. So, like, she's not. This is November you twenty have to twenty. Be careful. Nobody should be talking to this person. Nobody should be talking about her. I have a fucking target on my back. I'm honestly. It's <laughs> really crazy. You did this. I didn't want to do it, but it's such an insane story. <sighs> So what's crazy is, is Cashmere Hill is not totally worried about it because she obviously has a huge internet presence. She's a reporter for the New York Times. And that's how you felt about yourself. That's how I felt about myself. No, but basically (laughs) she's like, you have to really go further, further, further for any of these like complaint sites to come up. But if you don't have an internet presence, it'll be the first thing to come up. Um, In... January. Wow, so, you are living on the edge. I really feel that's, you can't help yourself. Shit. I just thought it was a really interesting story, though. Yeah, it's going to get scared? more interesting this week. Fuck, I've already had like a crazy You're right, ex girlfriend try to follow me, so it's fine. Oh, and after when like the editor talked to her, she warned her, or she warned the editor, she said, Any story in the New York Times will obviously bring out the trolls, and the internet could multiply the internet postings. So she fucking is threatening them. Thursday, January 28th, 2021, they found she was responsible and ordered for her to stop. So finally, they were like, You have to stop. Or she goes to jail. Or she goes to jail. Okay. The judge then decided to leave it to the plaintiffs to have the post taken down. Isn't that fucked? Isn't that beyond fucked? So there's no order to take them down? No. The, oh my God. So he's like, yeah, if you had a She's shitty post written about you. If she does it again, you're screwed. But it's, you guys it's gotta kind of figure. It's on you. It's on you. Horrible ruling. Horrible. I hope she posts about that judge. We should post about that judge. And then be like, <laughs> it was her. You know what? Let her it go was to probably jail. her. So this happens a lot more than you think. This happens. I bet. It happens more than you realize. Um, Now, some updates have happened where Google. What do you mean updates? You just ended the story on 2020 and there are updates. (laughs) 2021 I ended it on. What happened yesterday? No, not yesterday. Two days ago. Right now. Um, (laughs) Breaking news. So, well, there is an update since the article was published. And I know because I looked at it. So Google used to remove only content from your search results if it would cause financial damages. So like if your social security was out there, your banking information, that's the only time that they would remove it from your search results. Now it's begun to remove other things, including revenge porn and medical records now they've just begun removing complaint sites oh good thank you google do the right thing googs who runs the world googs 
who runs the world, gooks. Keep in mind, the the victims of this have to remove their own posts. So thank God this writer, Kashmir Hill, we love you. Thank you for writing this article because all these people were trying to remove this from Pinterest because the pictures were on Pinterest, like spread across the mm-hmm. internet. They finally started removing them when Kashmir Hill called them and asked them for comment. <laughs> we love a free press. We love a fucking free press. Only when this story was going to run were they like, oh, yeah, we should remove oh, that. Oh, yeah, we'd That's... like the angle to be that we heard we... from these victims and we, and we did we... something. Exactly. The craziest thing is it has changed since then. So at the very end of this article, it says, and not much has changed. See for yourself. Google Guy Babcock. And it had a link to Google Guy Babcock. And so I went to Google and I Googled Guy Babcock. And immediately you see the pictures that have pedophile on it, where he works, all this stuff. And... Now, I actually, when I was doing the research and, you know, writing some stuff down from this story, if you Google Guy Babcock again, those photos don't appear. Really? Yeah. You have to, like, go to images. But before when I Googled Guy Babcock, the images, because they were Pinterest, came up first. Mm-hmm. So, like, it really is the power of media. It's the power of writing about these horrifying things and it's a really interesting case because technology is changing more than our laws allow and it's funny because you feel the emotional swing of the pendulum as you say the internet is a weapon and look at how this person used it and then in the next breath you say look at the free press it's a weapon and isn't it cool how it was used to do this yeah and it's like what are we even supposed to feel (laughs) It's what are we supposed to feel? I got all of this from one article because nobody else wrote about it. Like I went and looked at Guy Babcock. There's a reason, Carrie. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Maybe he won't know. What a wild story! Isn't that insane? I don't know if it. I don't know if I did it as much justice as the article did. Well, no, I'm sure you didn't. It's Cashmere. (laughs) It's Cashmere Hill. She's amazing. No one can live up to what Cashmere's doing. Please list. Please go read it. It's so good. It's. (laughs) Um, Okay, listen, you're not going to believe what I'm about to do. I am presenting my information is from Buzz. Just tell me. Don't tell. Can't. (laughs) Got to surprise you after I say this. Can I guess the story after your sources? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Buzznicked, Cheat Sheet, Vanity Fair, and The Telegraph. Cheat Sheet feels like a complaint site, but Cheat Sheet. Sputnik. You're doing Sputnik. Close. Space Force. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <gasps> Get ready. There's no place like truly darkly creepy. By the way, you're listening to... <laughs> we haven't done... Oops. You're listening to... Truly. Darkly. Creepily. That's Carrie Epple. And that is my friend Quinlan Posner. And this is, is the Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Oz. So... Buckle your ruby reds. We're in for a treat. Let's get on that yellow brick road. And skip <laughs> straight down it. And M, and M. Let's first talk about lions and tigers and bears online. Oh what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the story of the making of The Wizard of Oz <laughs> because it is... Tell the story of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the story of The Wizard of Oz. It's a very dark story. Very All right, dark. it begins. We're in... Oz? No. You're in... Kansas. Kansas. See, I can't tell the story (laughs) is the issue. So I'm going to skip the story and cut straight to the making of. Okay. uh, Which is what you're all interested in anyway. First of all, they had a lot of bad ideas when they made this movie. 
and <laughs> they went with them. First of all, when they went to go make the lion costume, we're going to talk about costumes a lot. When they went to make the lion costume, they were like, let's make this really amazing. And so right away, I mean, they had a lot to live up to because, you know, the uh, flying monkeys in the movie. Yeah. They wrote letters to zookeepers around the world being like, could you send us some condor feathers and eagle feathers and like vulture feathers? And that's how they made those costumes straight up. Zookeepers be plucking Old some feathers. Hollywood has just Old money. Hollywood glamour. To fucking spend it. Peta need not apply. So of course they had to use real lion hair. So they did. Like it's a straight up real lion fur that the dude's wearing. No. And because it is real lion fur, they couldn't make a backup costume because Stinky. since it's the real height of a lion. It would not look the same because I guess lions are like snowflakes. <laughs> no two are alike. Grow up. Um, <laughs> so at the end of the day, the actor would take off his costume and it would be soaking wet with his sweat because it was hot as fuck to wear. And they'd have to put it in an industrial drying bin to sit overnight. And that costume, that disgusting costume, sold for three million dollars at an auction in 2014 dry clean lion fur (laughs) apparently not (laughs) wow so that has to be like the most expensive human sweat rag on the planet (laughs) like disgusting the makeup on the show is like the costumes a real bitch ray bolger who played the scarecrow had to wear these rubber prosthetics on his face and He takes them off and he has like burlap scarring from them around his mouth and his chin. And it was there for like a year after it ended. Marks on his face from wearing the prosthetics. You're like an actor. And the witch, like when she went to go take off her makeup, the it had sunken into her skin so that even when she would take it off, like there was green green in her pores that you could see. Speaking of makeup, the original Tin Man was played by this actor, Buddy Ebsen. And they're shooting and they're shooting. And he goes home at night, goes to bed after shooting, and wakes up fucking screaming because he has violent cramps all over his body and his hands and his arms and his legs. He can't breathe. And his wife's like, fuck, and calls an ambulance. And they go to the hospital and they're like, this guy has to be on oxygen. He's in, on oxygen for two weeks because they had used pure aluminum in the paint and he had ingested it. They call him. He's at the hospital and they're like, get the get hell to set. back to work. Get, get to, to set, set buddy. And he's like, um, I don't think I can because my skin is blue from my allergic reaction to this. Oh my God, it's like the blue people. And they're like, we can cover that with the aluminum makeup. Just get back to work. And he's like, I don't think the aluminum. And they're like, so we'll use a different makeup. Just get back to. And he's like, could I just, could I have a minute? This, like, I almost sort of died. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, take all the minutes you want. You're fucking fired. Old Hollywood, man. Old Old Hollywood Hollywood. glamour. (laughs) They replace him with this actor, Jack Haley. And they're like, we probably shouldn't use that same makeup. Um, So... They use a different makeup. It still gives Jack a really bad eye infection 
but at least he doesn't go to the hospital. But he does say of filming that it was awful and that he never had fun and that he had to drag himself to work and that one of the reasons he hated it so much is even though they switched the fucking makeup, he's still in the Tin Man costume, which is made of metal sheeting. And it's so stiff that he can't sit down when they're taking breaks. And it takes a long time to get off and on. So when they would take breaks, he had to take them. They constructed a leaning board. And he would go lean on a board. This so he didn't have to stand. This is just abuse in old Hollywood. This isn't even talk. We haven't even talked about Dorothy or Julie Gar- Judy Garland and how they fucked her up in old Hollywood. No, I'm saving her for last. Oh, my. So Frank Morgan is the actor that plays... He plays a few characters. He plays the fortune teller. He plays the wizard. He came to set with a mini bar in his briefcase. Smart Which sounds like was the right thing to do. So the fortune teller that later becomes the wizard is called Professor Marvel. This is such a crazy story. They were talking about what should his costume be. And they're like, well, he should kind of like, he's this fortune teller. He's probably not super successful. He should look like a guy that doesn't have a lot of loot. And they go to all these thrift stores and they... They find this coat that they like for the role. It's a nice coat, but it's a little bit like tattered and aged. Mm-hmm. During the filming, Frank Morgan is putting his hands in his pockets and he feels something inside. And he kind of pulls the pocket inside out and there's words written on the inside of the pocket. And the pocket says, L. Frank Baum. That's the author of... The Wizard of Oz. Wow. And so he's kind of like, did somebody write this as a joke? That's so weird. They end up contacting L. Frank Baum's widow and also his tailor. And they both confirm that that was L. Frank Baum's jacket. Ooh, um, so they just like by happenstance stumbled upon a they fucking got it, used I think coat. they got it in a thrift store. And it happened to be his. It's so. That's spooky. That coincidence is insane. Totally. So lunchtime on the set, really a dark time for the of Tin Man, the Scarecrow, the man and the Lion. Can't digest food properly. He has to go on a leaning board. I he can barely like reach read, his mouth. Yeah, I read the meanest thing. I read that they were banned for eating lunch inside the MGM cafeteria because this is so funny. This sentence: the sight of them eating in their makeup was deemed too disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that is so old Hollywood glamour that they're like, it's very like it's Downton Abbey where they're like, no, that simply wouldn't do. No, 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 no. We We're can't. Hollywood people. We can't be watching you in that disgusting old makeup. Hollywood glamour. But Burt Lair that played the lion, he had molds on his face that were so restrictive that his eating of lunch was also just limited to when he was on set. Everything had to be liquid diet. Everything had to be consumed through a straw. I think that might have been true of Jim Carrey and the Grinch, by the way, now that I'm saying it. Yeah. Um, Either way, had to have everything through a straw. Sounds like my worst nightmare diet. It's funny because you're playing the lion, so they probably want him to be like burly. And he's probably losing weight in this sweatsuit while drinking a liquid diet at an alarming pace. It's just, yeah, very torturing. so counterintuitive. (laughs) Um, I'd be like, sick, I'm playing the lion. Eat whatever I want. No problem. Bigger the better. And it's like, mm, you can have liquid mashed potatoes and beef bro- bone broth. Have fun. Ugh. 
Also, no one wants to watch you eat, so do it in the bathroom. <laughs> Go sip your bone broth in the potty, by the way. <laughs> what a nightmare. Horrifying. I'm going to take and a I break you from the pee. nightmare scape to tell you just some fun facts, which are in the haunted forest, they wanted to create like these really eerie sort of like yelps and shrieks noise and Douglas Shearer the film's sound designer was like okay let's go to San Catalina which is like a Pacific Island near LA and let's record bird calls and they got 15,000 feet of tape which they used the whole thing yeah to make to they spun it together to do these (sighs) to like produce these weird shrieks remember the color changing horses that they're like a horse of it. You have not seen the movie. I've seen the movie, of course. Oh my I god, have. you just made me so anxious. I was like, <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to light <laughs> no, you on fire. Of course, I've seen the movie. Okay. Um, the horses changing color. They keep talking about a horse of a different color when they're in Oz. Like every time the camera cuts back to the horse, it's a different color. And they, a lot of people think it was CGI that the horse kept changing color, but they actually dyed the horses with Jello. That's wild. Yeah, it was like Jello crystals. This film. Peta's pissed. Well, this is funny, too. They had to be really quick about shooting it before the horses licked it off. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, too. Um, Do you remember the poppies? Yes. Poppies. So there's like a field of poppies. 20 men spent a week putting 40,000 wire-stemmed poppies in the ground to make the poppy field. And then there's this scene where they fall asleep in the poppies where Dorothy, like, passes out. Yeah. Um, Heroin. Sort of. Actually, not heroin. Chrysotile asbestos was what the snow was made of. So they're just sprinkling asbestos asbestos on Dorothy on her face for that scene. Old Jesus. Hollywood, old I mean, Hollywood. That's, you just can't. I, <laughs> like I uh, can't. The amount of like abuse. Good grief. That's really rough. Wow. Yeah, I want to know what happened in the forest. Let's talk about the munchkins. The hanging munchkin. So, Leo Singer was the agent who had um, kind of a niche area uh, of show business, which was that he worked in Little People Entertainment. Okay. Yes. The producers of Oz get in touch with him the summer of 1938, and they're like, we need a lot of little people for our movie to play the munchkins. And he's like, no problem. I can get you 124 little people. But they're like, listen, we want proportionately correct little people. And they, we want them to all be white. All, whatever, they're monsters. But then also he fucks the little people and takes half of, of their, their weekly earnings? wages for himself. <gasps> which I think they made like $100 a week. I don't know what that would be today. Judy Garland used to tell people, oh, the little people, they're crazy. They get drunk every night and they have to be picked up off the floor and care. And this is insane. Carried to their beds in butterfly nets. It just all sounds inhumane. It also doesn't sound true. True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Leroy, who's one of the producers, also wrote about them and was like, oh, there was fights. There was orgies. There was all kinds of crazy carryings on and almost every night the Culver City police had to come to the hotel to keep the little people from killing each other and there was one day when there was a little person his name is Charles Kelly and he turns up on set and he has two loaded pistols okay um I guess he was really jealous of Charlie Becker that actor played the mayor of Munchkinland and he had been making eyes at 
Kelly's wife, Jessie. Um, so he brought two guns to the set. Well, that feels like a proportionate response. Well, they ended up getting married. So he wasn't wrong. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> like, well, then I take it back. It was a proportion. <laughs> anyway, the, basically, the actors were always talking about, oh, um, all the actors that play the munchkins are total, like, crazy boozers and nymphos. What I basically read was that there was a tiny, tiny grain of truth to it, and it got completely blown out of proportion because everyone thought it was funny to say. Right. And they're trying to get, like, attention, and it's really mean when you break it down. Totally. I'm sure you know the story that got very blown out of proportion about one of the actors that played a munchkin hanging himself and people saying that you can see this in a shot of the Wizard of Oz when they're skipping down the yellow brick road. Well, according to Snopes, uh, no. False. 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 There was no suicide caught on film. It was a bird. And to make the movie set look um, really, like, outdoorsy, they actually brought in live birds to wander around the set. Sounds dangerous and ill-advised. But the shadow you see is not a person hanging themselves. It's a bird spreading its wings. Moral of the story, I think that it's very sad, like, the story of the actors that played the munchkins because... They're also, none of them are alive today. I think there's one of them right. alive today. So they can't defend themselves and people still uh, spread misinformation and try to exploit them even Ugh. now. And you'd think we have like grown up and moved away from that. <laughs> no, we haven't. All right. Let's move on to our favorite Margaret Hamilton who played the witch. <gasps> From love Maine. Her. We love her. We I've love seen her. her island in Maine. Really? I think it's off of Booth Bay Harbor, but you can see it's like this little island off of off of Maine and they're Uh like that's the Wicked Witch (laughs) like she basically just like after that she didn't do any other much other film I don't think and she moved to this like island in Maine and just like had a very happy life there I'm so glad she deserved it because she didn't have a great time with this movie Um, no wonder she quit (laughs) so while she was doing the scene where the witch disappears in a flash of smoke Mm -hmm. the effects crew started the fire before they had like made sure she had enough time to exit the stage. You would think something like that would only happen in live theater. Like on film, you just like, you picture it being done with a little more, I don't know, precision. It didn't, it's like, you can shoot it later with the camera. Yeah, you're right. Film then was just theater. I mean, I, I think what's amazing too is like, in any film theater, the actor is always the least considered. Maybe that's changing. I think now it is because we have like star, you know, but like. And then you better not be an actor with a disability or you're yeah, really or you're not really going to be considered. I mean, like, I look at what happened to Uma Thurman on Kill Bill. Do you remember that story Mm-mm. where she was, she was writing, they had her, it was a hard, it was um, Quentin Tarantino, what, it was a Harvey Weinstein produced film. It was, it came out during the whole Me Too stuff and she. And she talked about how she was made to drive in this car that was stick shift. She didn't know how to drive stick shift. They kept making her go faster. And she was like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. Quentin Tarantino basically made her keep going. Harvey Weinstein was like, you got to do this. They basically all, she got in a horrible accident on set and was like forced into it because she couldn't say no. She could, I mean, this hasn't changed is what I'm saying. It hasn't fucking changed. Because they didn't get her cleared the flames caught on her broom and her hat and they burned her really badly they got her chin her nose her cheek her forehead 
they burned off her eyelashes and eyebrows and like her whole face is just burnt. She looked down and she saw there was no skin on her hand. Like <sighs> burned, man. She's not okay. So she calls a friend and the friend comes and gets her from set and takes her to the hospital, which she the looks so, back. She's the- like, it was pretty weird that the studio didn't call me a car. And that I called someone to take me now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the studio does? They call her the next day and they're like, how you come doing? When, when do you think you uh, can come back? And she's like, are you serious? It takes her six weeks to recover. And even after the six weeks, the nerves in her hand are still so exposed. She has to wear uh, green gloves the rest of the shooting. She can't do the makeup. On her hands. Wow. So she goes back to work. She's fucking still got these burns. And they're like, hey, um, we'd like to shoot another fire scene. She's like, no. Go to hell. There's lots of fire there. I'm not doing it. That's what she said? No. Oh, um, she did. But she's like, no, I'm not doing that. So they're like, oh, cool. We'll have your stunt double do it. Who's e- even less of a human to us. And she fucking catches fire and spends 11 days in the hospital. <gasps> oh, go to hell. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Let's talk about... Let's do it. Let's talk about Judy. Two Judy Garlands, as we all know. Is one shark. Is one shark. If you don't understand that conversion, look back a couple episodes. <laughs> look back a dozen episodes. That conversion, that conversion is confusing to you. You're I not... I think the episode is called Two Judy Garlands. Listening. You're not listening. <laughs> You're not listening closely. So... This is actually one of the scariest facts, which is that of the film's 10 main characters, she's 16, Judy Garland at the time. She gets the second lowest salary. (laughs) Guess who's the one person paid less than her? Not a person, a dog. It was Terry who played Toto. Toto, played by Terry, was paid less than Judy. Everyone else was paid more. Only a dog. I hate people. I really oh, hate people. Sometimes. It's like take a deep breath. That one is really hard for me to swallow. God. And so she's just a kid, and she's like goofing around. And in one of the scenes, she's like cracking up at the lion, and the she like falls down laughing and wrecks the take. And Fleming, the who's running the show at the time, they went through lots of different people running the show, but Victor Fleming fucking slaps her <gasps> in the face and he said all right go back to your dressing room what okay hollywood has changed i think a little bit (laughs) um her mom ethel is like well you gotta like have the energy to do this they're doing these long days and they're throwing asbestos on your face and it sounds like it's people are burning alive people are burning alive you're probably exhausted i'm gonna give you some pep pills and mgm's like yeah definitely Pills, they call them? Pep pills. Yeah, that's what I read. I don't know what they were. but <sighs> They're just for probably speed. <laughs> Definitely. They're giving her speed to get through the day. They're binding her breasts to make her look younger. Um, they're putting her in a corset. They're just like constantly treating her like this doll, trying to make her look like what they want, ordering the studio commissary to only feed her chicken soup. She had a gap between her front teeth and they, they sent her to a dentist to get it fixed. I mean, this is, you're very impressionable and impressionable at the age of 16 and right. already every single 16-year-old girl has body image issues 
And this is like here we go. Taking this is it like, to hi, another. If you level. didn't have any before, if you had a normal amount, we'd like to sprinkle in an exponential amount. I also I don't want to keep talking about. Uh, I don't want to say negative things about that implicate the actors that played the Munchkins. However, I did read that her ex husband says she was molested by some of them. Mm. He it, Sid Luft is his name. He was married to her from. 52 to 65 and he wrote a memoir and he said then that they would put their hands under her dress and they were all these like 40 year old men and they would like laugh and yeah the queen mother met judy garland at one time years later and said to her oh over the rainbow like we love that song it always brings a tear to my eye and judy garland said ma'am that song has plagued me all my life yeah. When she died on June 22nd, 1969, she was 47 years old. And I read that the same day she died, there was a twister that killed six people in Kansas. How crazy is that? Why? I don't know if it's true we because I don't check my facts. Is. I just read them in one place. And if they're interesting, they're I present them like they are they're ironclad. In. They are in. You're welcome for that. What I know is true is that when she was flown from London to the U.S. after she had died, the makeup artist who prepared her body for the funeral was Charles Schramm. And that's the same makeup artist that did her makeup on the set of Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And those are some of the creepy, dark tales that the Wizard of Oz has in store for you. It's so sad because that movie, I mean, it, it really has stood up to the test of time. It stood the test of time. It's, it's certainly pretty, not the ethics behind producing it. Certainly not. Although that has as well stood the test of time. But unfortunately. unfortunately. But that movie brings so much joy to people. And it was so horrifying horrible to, to be a person involved in it yeah i think it's less surprising i think when we i think i talked a little bit about some of the terrible things that happened while filming the exorcist when i did the exorcism of roland doe and i also have talked about some of the crazy conspiracies behind the shining and there's something not all too shocking about presenting all these sort of dark behind the scenes stuff when you're talking about a movie that in its nature is dark and there's something about Doing this, where we're talking about all these gives sad, you so dark, many conflicting things. feelings, doesn't it? And the movies all like Technicolor smiles and songs and, and happiness. And some over the rainbow. She's such a beautiful singer. Like she's. They, there was a huge fight, by the way, about somewhere over the rainbow. They wanted to cut it. Can you imagine? People are idiots. Someone just posted something on Twitter that I liked. It was someone was like, "Stop hate watching shows." All of us TV writers are now getting notes on those shows, and it's not helping us. <laughs> like, like when people hate watch TV shows later on, they're like, "I don't oh, know what that means." When you watch something and you know it's terrible, but you just watch it. Now all TV writers gets notes being like, "Well, this was a successful show," so that like. <laughs> Or basically, like, you watch a show that's bad, and you're like, whatever, I'll watch it. And then producers uh, think that that is what makes it successful. Oh, God. So TV writers now get, like, all these notes in reference to the shows we hate watch. Of, like, what have I hate watched? Revenge. I think there's a show called Revenge that I definitely hate watched. It was so bad it was good. (laughs) And uh, I, I... 
I'm sorry to that writer, but it was very enjoyable hate watching and I wouldn't take it back for anything in the world. I'm into it. Nip tuck. It was like a hate watch show. So I'm wearing a really uncomfortable, I'm, I'm wearing a really not supportive bra, but it's really comfortable because there's no underwire. I got but you. I walked here and I was so sweaty that there's a sweat stain. Can I show you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you see that? Yeah, that's really intense. Looks like a river was there. <laughs> Life is ever and I want to get felt. I felt like I should show you my boobs because you show me your boobs all the time. <sighs> Backstory on that, folks. That's how I feed my child. Apparently, <laughs> I just felt like making it tit for tit. <laughs> even Steven. Tit for tit. Even Steven. Join Patreon. Figure and square. Review us on Apple. Sh- Schwartz and Grubinier. <laughs> what? From. It's from Spelling Bee. It's really funny. Fairy Square, Church, and Rubinier. I don't know. It's the not... musical? The mu- Spelling Bee, the musical. Some of you in this room went to school for musical theater, and it shows. 